Red Raiders. Hello, Thread Raiders. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, freaks and geeks, one and all, all are welcome. Welcome to the Thread Raiders podcast. What started as a small uprising on Twitter has turned into a movement to spread goodwill among all creators, with the occasional side quest for this and that. I am one of your many hosts, David Steele, along with... Chaotic Anarchy. And I am Fenwald Griswick. And this week we have a show for you. Yes, like every other week, we're going to do some news. We're going to do our tea time. Of course, we're going to have our sponsored ad will be played for you. They're a lot of fun, you know that? Mm-hmm. I like they them. Are. And then, of course, we are going to do our What's in the Box and maybe a what's couple of items in there. We're going to jump right into the news. Let's do it. For those of you who have played Call of Duty, you may know the FN Fal, which is a kind of gun uh, that is normally reserved for army units and for riot police. Police in Paraguay have an armory for, you know, if there's ever a riot or any sort of insurrection of some kind, they're ready to go. Well, today, uh, the police stopped by the armory to do their monthly checkup and discovered that someone has replaced all of their guns with wooden replicas. Uh, They're not entirely sure when that theft happened. Uh, They are currently dusting all the weapons, looking for prints and such. Uh, There appears to be somewhere in the range of 100 weapons, and each of those weapons sells for about $1,000 on the black market, so it actually is a pretty impressive heist. Uh, And as you can imagine, no arrests have been made. Well, that's good. (laughs) Which part? (laughs) Could you imagine you show up to work and, like, all of your supplies are gone? Yeah, but not guns. That's pretty serious. Yeah, well, if you showed up and all the phones were gone, that would suck. Majorly. I would love it. Like, <laughs> so I hear Switzerland has invented a new kind of box. And we're all very excited about it because if there was anywhere to get your new box uh, news, it would be right here on this podcast. Imagine a garage. Imagine if you will. And now imagine 15 car garages all next to each other. All right. And now imagine 15 car garages all next to each other each one containing one prostitute. Uh, this is the newest thing in boxes. Uh, this is happening in Switzerland. Come on. And they're called sex boxes. Come on. And basically what happened was <laughs> uh, they, they have some of the best sex workers in the world in Switzerland. Uh, Switzerland made prostitution legal in 1940, and they've been uh, going strong ever since several of the communities banded together and they said look we've got this major problem the prostitutes are out on the street and there's such demand for them that uh they're causing traffic jams and we can't get to work so the they figured out how to herd the prostitutes into certain areas and they built them drive-in sex boxes and so literally you can drive up go into the box do your business and then leave i for this <laughs> <laughs> now this actually started five years ago in that they actually built the boxes five years ago for a total cost of two million dollars but 
due to taxes and licensing fees and believe it or not rentals uh, they actually have recuperated that money and then some uh, and as a result as of today uh, well this earlier this week uh, they have announced that as far as they're concerned this has been an unmitigated success and they have made all that money back so there you go all right hold on one second gotta change my what's in the box real fast <laughs> <laughs> oh i ruined it that's a shame <laughs> box tail prostitute mm-hmm. it all works <laughs> So I hear that the mountains can be pretty dangerous. And I think that uh, the most important lesson that I can give you, for those of you who might consider going out hiking in the mountains, is to look up, because you never know what could be coming down at you. It could be a boulder, it could be an eagle, you never know, or it could be a sheep. (laughs) Several (laughs) youngsters were walking through the mountains in uh, County Down in Ireland, uh, in a place called Mourne Mountain. And as they were walking along, a sheep misjudged a jump uh, from one ledge to another and plummeted out of the sky and crushed a young boy uh, whose name is being withheld because he's underage. Um, He was injured in the head, neck, back, and legs and had to be medevaced from the area. However, he is expected to make a full recovery. Uh, The sheep, in case you were wondering, escaped the scene and is believed to be uninjured. And now it's time for tea time and crimpets. Crimpets are sold separately. We check those so-called facts under the underside of a popular beverage tea brand, but uh, that will remain nameless. So, anyway, let's uh, find out if these things are real or not. Well, we have three options, right, Chris? Correct. Your options are true, false, or huh? Huh? (laughs) Yes. And who was the winner last week? Oh, hush. Oh, listen to this. Mr. David. <laughs> I just want to steal. So much. Recap. So it's bad. Mm-hmm. You're naughty. Snapcap fact number 120. The only continent without reptiles or snakes is Antarctica. True. Uh, false. Just out of curiosity, which continent do you think would not have a snake or a reptile? Antarctica. <laughs> I, I don't want to pick one I just think that all of them have one. Oh, so you think Antarctica also has a snake Correct Understood And the answer is true <laughs> Reptiles are cold-blooded And I would also like to point out that snakes are reptiles So it actually is ridiculous that they said reptiles or snakes But anyway, reptiles are cold-blooded and require warmth in order to survive. Uh, They cannot survive in Antarctica. It is simply too cold. Um, There are reptiles that can survive for brief periods of cold. Uh, For instance, last year, uh, there was a gentleman who came out into his backyard in North Carolina and filmed alligators that had shoved their snouts through the frozen ice of the pond in his backyard in order to breathe. Uh, Now, of course... They couldn't have lasted there forever, but that ice thawed very quickly, so they were able to survive. Outside of Antarctica, uh, there are six other continents. Each of them has at least one reptile. Uh, There's the black mamba in sub-Saharan Africa, which is six foot long, has a seriously toxic bite, and is massively overpopulated due to uh, humans. 
There is the king cobra, which is not actually a cobra, uh, which can be found in southern Asia. Uh, there's the saltwater crocodile of Australia, which eats, among other things, and I shit you not, sharks. Uh, there's the Mediterranean house gecko, which is the ugliest thing you have ever seen. Uh, and basically, when one gets into your house, Mediterranean families often just burn their house to the ground. Um, there's the Galapagos turtles of South America, which are the largest living species of tortoise. And there's the North American garter snake, a genus without a species because they are so boring that they don't have anything unique with which to classify them. Fascinating. Snapcap fact number 742. Over half of the world's geysers are found in Yellowstone National Park. Over half. True. True. And the answer is true. Yay. Geyser comes from the Icelandic geysa, meaning to gush. Uh, worldwide, there are a total... I knew a woman once that... Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so spicy today. I love it. Yeah. I think this yeah. is great. Yeah, Worldwide, there are approximately 810 geysers. The official number from Yellowstone is 500 geysers, or about 500 geysers. In Yellowstone, 180 of those geysers are in one particular area called the Upper Geyser Basin. Uh, also, Russia's Geyser Valley has 200 geysers. Chile has 80 geysers. And Iceland, which I found odd because when you think of Iceland, you think, you know, they got a lot of geysers. They even do tourism for geysers. They only have 30, um, all of which have names from old Star Wars movies. Mm. I like Star Wars. Yes. One of them is called the Fada Fada 2. That sounds like it fell Who right out of Star Wars. I fought a, you fought it too. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Snapcat fact number 1397. Gorillas burp when they are happy. It sounds <coughs> cute. Indeed it does. I can confirm that it sounds cute. I mean, chimpanzees don't. So it becomes, can they burp at all? Yeah, sure. Why not? Now, do they force a burp when they're happy is the question, right? Just like one burp or is it like multiple burps? You know, like how does that even? False. I don't like it. I feel like like it's just one burp. Is that what they're saying, Grids? Uh, the cap says gorillas burp, which could be singular or plural uh, when they are happy. False. Your, your choices All are. Right, I say true then. She said false. Your choices yeah. are true, false, or. Uh -huh. no, I'm sticking with false. That seems like a weird I, thing. I say true then. All right. And the answer is. Huh? Yay. I knew it. <laughs> knew it. No, you didn't. Lies. So I want to make clear uh, we're talking about gorillas, not gorillas. I'm sure gorillas do burp when they're happy because they're usually drinking beer, but that's irrelevant. Um, gorillas. Uh, there is stunningly little data on the digestive processes of gorillas. Um, I searched the internet for the better part of an hour and a half uh, trying to answer this question. This appears to come from a misunderstanding about how the gorilla's voice box works, which is it, their voice boxes are distinctly different than a human voice box. Our voice box has been conditioned. We've been working on this for a couple hundred thousand years. Gorillas haven't bothered with that. 
So if you tickle a baby gorilla, it makes what sounds like burping noises, but it is not actually burping. However, I can't rule it as false because I also can't get any data on their digestive tract and if they are able to burp intentionally. Uh, this is all, I have no idea where this came from. I can tell you that it is all over social media. Uh, you know, it's on you know, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, um, and a lot of Pinterest pages, but I have found no way to confirm this. That is exactly what it sounds like. No, that's the wrong species. <laughs> Snapcap fact number 297. David Rice Atchison was president of the United States for only one day. Man, that does not sound familiar. No, I don't know anything about that. And I know there was definitely a president thing where there was a there was a quick thing that happened before, but I can't remember the name. Well, if you remember, we did talk last week about William Henry Harrison and how he was only in office for about 30 days. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, I think it's false. I don't, I've never heard of him. I could be wrong, but he was only a day, so I guess he's not really written down in like any history books or anything. But false. All right. And the answer is you're both correct. Yay! Mm. Who's jumping on whose bandwagon now? <laughs> Prior to the amendment which fixed the problem, uh, these things were ruled by the Presidential Succession Act of 1792, and it had rules. President's in charge. When the president's not available, the vice president is in charge. And when neither of them are available, the Senate president pro tempore, tempore meaning uh, for the time being in Latin, uh, is in charge. Um, March the 4th fell on a Sunday in 1849. And many Christians believe that or celebrate Sunday as the Sabbath. And so back then, especially back then, they refused to do any work. Uh, the, you know, liquor stores weren't open. You weren't allowed to engage in vice, so on and so forth. Zachary Taylor was supposed to be inaugurated on March the 4th. But because it fell on a Sunday and he was particularly devout, he refused to be uh, inaugurated, as did Vice President-elect Millard Fillmore. And so, since they both refused, they then were inaugurated on the 5th. So, there was a gap between when their predecessors left office, which was on the 4th, at noon, um, and the day when they were inaugurated, which was the 5th at noon. Theoretically, for 24 hours, the president pro tempore was uh, the guy. Now, that's actually crap. Uh, you don't actually have to take the oath of office in order to become president. The fact that you got all the votes means that you are the guy. So, or the girl. Equal opportunity. <laughs> so, Atchison was actually not Senate pro tempore uh, f on March the 4th because his term also ended. So, that's reason number one. Reason number two is that because you don't have to take the oath of office, uh, Taylor just was president. He did not actually have to, you know, uh, physically say the words. We got it right. You got it right. Ooh. That's all that matters. Mm -hmm. Snapcap fact number 292. Heavier, not bigger, lemons produce more juice. Who doesn't produce more juice? The heavier lemons produce more juice, not by the size, just the fact that they're heavier. Correct. 
Heavier lemon produces more juice. False. Well, why is it heavier? Because it's rotten. Yeah. I'm going to say that it's false. It doesn't have more juice. All right. But I had this girl once that had... (laughs) Had more juice? Oh. Mm -mm -mm. Juicy. And she had the pants to prove it. Because they write juicy on the... No, it doesn't Were they apple bottom jeans? And the answer is false. Boots with the fur. Did I win? Yes. What did you say? False. What the answer is false. False. Yes. Yeah. Sliced, peeled, or whole. Lemons float and limes sink. That's fourth grade physics. Now, that has to do with their density. Lemons are less dense than water, so thus they float. Limes are more dense than water, thus they sink. However, the juice in a lemon is denser than water. So if you squeeze the lemon into the water, the lemon juice will settle to the bottom. Any lemon that floats has less juice than any lemon that sinks. So the actual way to find out which lemons have more juice is to put them into water and see which ones sink. Yeah, not going to happen. The more you know. Well. If, I mean, if I had a lemon, I would do it, but I don't. I ain't got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really see you walking into like a supermarket with a gigantic fish tank and just throwing lemons into it, trying to get no. a little bit of extra something, something. No, I will go in and squeeze melons, but I'm not going to put them in water. <laughs> Don't follow me into the fruit section. I kind of want to know more. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you ever see, uh, you guys ever watch Robot Chicken? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ever see the robot that's always banging the, the washing machine and mm-hmm. with any metal stuff? Yeah. That'd be like me at the fruit market. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the more you know. Yeah. <laughs> Snap cap fact number 121. The only bird that can swim but not fly is the penguin. My quick answer is true, but now I gotta think in my brain is there any one that I'm missing? Can flamingos fly? They don't swim. Flamingos can fly. They just stand there looking pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna stay, say true, but I mean, yeah, I just gotta. I feel like whenever a question like this is very specific, I get it wrong. Because You're scared. I am scared. You get it mm. wrong or it is wrong? I get it wrong. But I can't think of another bird. All right. And the answer is false. No. There are eight flightless birds. Uh, uh, the cassowary, the emu, and the ostrich. But uh, what swims? What's this? But what ones swim? We're going to get to that. (laughs) I need to know now. (laughs) The cassowary, the emu, and the ostrich, they are too big to fly. The kakapo, the takahi, and the kiwi, which are too ugly to fly. Uh, There's the weka, which is too fuzzy, the penguin, which is too cold, and the steamer duck, which is too badass. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is the too fluffy one? The weka? Where's weka from? The weka is a New Zealand... Uh, it's basically a very skinny kind of and chicken. And fluffy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so excited. How do you spell weka? Weka, 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 weka. Oh. W-E-K-A. But babies are pretty fluffy. 
Everyone, please go to www.weka.com. Check out your fluffy bird today. Okay, you can go. Uh, I just want to see what it was. So of those eight flightless birds, three of them can swim. Uh, one of them is the steamer duck, uh, which actually lives on water. Uh, it doesn't even really wander around on land too much. Uh, steamer ducks, by the way, are three feet long and weigh uh, more than a frozen turkey. They are massive ducks that can, uh, that can hold their own under most circumstances. Uh, the cassowary can also swim uh, despite its massive size. Uh, they often swim in rivers when they see a piece of uh, floating fruit uh, out there. They will uh, actually dive under the water and swim out to get the fruit. Uh, of course, the penguin uh, can swim under the water. <sighs> Penguins, when they are under the water, actually dive. I'm sorry, uh, dive down and f- technically are flying when they're underneath the water. You will notice that their wings don't move at all. And as they go through the water, it actually flows over their wings just like air flows over the wings of an airplane. Oh, stop it. Now you're getting crazy. True thing. All right. I win, right? You're very close to winning. Uh, we just have one more question. Snap cap fact number 1355. There is a single mega colony of ants that spans three continents, covering much of Europe, the west coast of the United States, and the west coast of Japan. True. Why would they say that? False. Let me win. Let me win. Let me win. Let me have it. Lie, Chris. Final lie. answer. Pick me. Me. Ah! And the answer is true. Ah! Yay. Argentine ants uh, named Linapathema humuli uh, are originally, of course, from Argentina. Uh, humana, but humana, humana. sometime in the 1900s, uh, they actually began hitching rides on trade, trading boats uh, that stopped by Argentina uh, to pick up various goods and have made their way around the world. Uh, they are now on every continent. However, there is a single colony... Uh, that has successfully hitchhiked to each of the three areas that I specified earlier. They were found in 2009. And it turns out that uh, scientists have taken ants from each of the colonies and put them together. And Argentine ants are unique among all ants in that even having been separated from multiple generations, they have a chemical on the outside of their body that identifies them as members of the colony. They will attack members of other colonies, but because they recognize each other as members of their own colony, they will not attack. And so that's actually pretty amazing. You can transplant members of an Argentinian colony to Japan, and they will fit right in. Wow. Yes. That's interesting. More lies. (laughs) And the final score. Dave has four, and CA has four. We have a tie. Yes. That means I win. No, it does not mean you win. You can share winning with me. Rude. <laughs> well played, the both of you. I feel like there should be a bonus Snapchat. I thought Legal about fact. that. <laughs> but the problem is, what happens if you both get that one right or both get that one wrong? Do I have to just keep the doing Snapcaps? Fight to the death. <laughs> no, that yeah. would never happen. We need Grizzy facts to break the tie. <laughs> well, give us a, a Latin one because we haven't done a Latin thing. A Latin snap cap? <laughs> Technically, Lin- Linapathema humili was uh, Latin. So, oh. yes. 
Nepanepanumini. Nepanepanumini. It's promo time. Hey, Grizz. Yes, CA? You know that feeling you get when you roll a nat 20? Know it. I have to go to anonymous meetings because of that feeling. <laughs> Do you know what the opposite of that feeling is? Are you speaking about a nat 1? Don't whisper. Just say nat 1. We don't use that name here. Yeah, but why are you whispering? We don't use that name here. Well, wouldn't you like the chance to get back at your dice whenever they fail you? Boy, would I. Listeners, we're betting you would too. That is why our presenting sponsor, Tabletop Loot, has introduced the Tabletop Loot Dice Jail. So that they can have some time to think about what they've done. What they've done to Orfeo. He needed those gloves. Shambhala had six... All right, well, we lost Griswicks. The Dice Jail is made of maple, walnut, or cherry wood. It's shipped to you flat, so you have to assemble it after it arrives. But don't worry, a clever adventurer like yourself probably has a bonus to dexterity. Was I supposed to face an undead dragon without anti-necromancy gloves? Was I supposed to hide behind a rock and pray that the gods would intervene? Listeners, go to tabletoploot.com right now to check out their newest offerings. Tabletop Loot, Loot. For every table. Physics is going to rule against me. And And now, back to our show. I suggest that we move on to what's in the box. Sounds like a plan. Okay. The next guard who enters the guardhouse is treated to a scene of near indescribable horror. The cupboards are bare of all of your confiscated possessions. The last guard who entered is dead on the floor, a now quenched badger blade in his heart. The pizza that was supposed to be for all of them has anchovies. And then there's you, escaping out the back door. Halt! He screams, crossbow at the ready. You freeze. Thoughts of horrible tortures stream through your mind as you consider just how awful life as a guard killer can be in a town run by pirates. Turn around real slow. You follow his instructions to the letter and look him dead in the eyes with a steely gaze, hoping to intimidate him into letting you go. Then you break eye contact, and your face twists with confusion as you notice something flying at his head. The guard wheels round. At the exact moment, an intrepid and desperate badger lands on his face, sinking its claws deep into the skin. The guard shrieks with pain and falls back into the wall, inadvertently setting off his crossbow. The tranquilizer dart soars towards you, at lightning speeds, but your adrenaline is so high that it might as well be a turtle out for a stroll. At first you smile as the tranquilizer dart whizzes past your eyebrows, but the smile drains as the dart finds a new target, puncturing the haunches of Molly the Yak. Molly has no reaction. She stares over her shoulder oblivious to the projectile buried deep in her left rear leg. Maybe it didn't deploy. You rush to your companion and yank out the dart. It's empty. This is not good. Your only chance is to escape through the gate the moment it opens before the guards can figure out what the hell has been happening. You grab Molly by the reins and urge her towards the path out of town. Minute one. Molly seems unaffected. Perhaps the dart hit bone. Minute two. Molly makes the first of what will be many yawning noises. Minute three. You notice Molly begin to tip her head and look at you as if to insinuate that perhaps it is you who is sleepy. Minute four, you see that Molly is having trouble keeping her tongue in her mouth. 
Minute six, the two of you struggle to reach the steep road that leads out of town. It's only a hundred feet from the guardhouse, which puts your pace at less than one mile an hour. Minute ten, you yank sixteen jugs of yak's milk off of Molly in an attempt to speed up the process. Minute twelve, the leg that got in the way of the dart has given its last. Minute fourteen, only one of Molly's eyes works now, the other indicating intent to nap. Minute 15. The two of you are passed by a cricket, who may or may not have committed his own crimes against the guards. Minute 17. You begin to doubt the staying power of your own spinal column. Minute 18. Molly's face hits the ground for the second time. Sadly, she doesn't remember the first time, so she is equally stunned. Minute number 20. In a feat of superhuman strength unmatched in modern times, you have a nearly paralyzed Molly on your back as you crest the top of the eight-story climb. As the welcome greeter opens the gate to start his day, he is greeted by the sight of an unconscious yak and 42 kegs of yak's milk being inchwormed out of Pell's scar by an exhausted adventurer. The welcome greeter offers no indication that he cares about your plight and simply places a box on top of Molly's snoring body. It's about the size of a bracelet box. It's made out of cardboard and covered in a silver paper. Thank you for coming to Pell's Scar. Please tell your friends, he says. As the guards rumble past you, you open up your parting gift while hidden with Molly under a hastily erected tent in the visitor's encampment. My question for you is this. What's in the box? What's the box? So, I feel like Molly would be the kind of yak who would have a horn. I think so. What's in your box, Dave? You open the box and you find what looks to be an acorn. What does the acorn look like? Is it like an, an ornament? Is it like a real acorn or is it like an ornament? Um, it looks, it feels wood. Um, you can't tell if it's actually a acorn itself of some sort or if it was carved. If you shake it, does it make a sound? No. Hmm. Does it smell like an acorn? It smells like wood. <laughs> Of course it does. Uh, does the top screw off? No. Well, that's interesting. I plant the acorn. Grizz, eat the acorn. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you planting it? Outside? Uh, yeah, I just kind of stick my hand out the tent and plop it right there on the ground. It just sits on the ground. Uh, I pour water on it. All right. So it's just dropped on the ground? Well, it's buried in the ground and I poured water on it. All right. Buried in the ground, you pour water on it. And then you hear a rumbling, and the earth begins to shake. And then up sprouts this huge tree. And this thing goes up and up and up and up and up. And you can't see how far it goes. I start climbing the tree. (laughs) 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 And then you get near the top, and you hear, Fee, fi, fo, fum. I climb down the tree. (laughs) 
If only I had planted it underneath of Molly, then I wouldn't have to carry her another 82 <laughs> stories. <laughs> Poor Molly. We probably should have asked the person who owns this land before we planted this acorn. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> so now that so I'm up there with the giant. Hmm. Is a giant, right? It is. Thanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, is there like is there anything? Is there treasure? Yes. Uh, I'd like to take all of the treasure. <laughs> That yes was very I start, exuberant. I start throwing it down to Grizz. <laughs> but don't stand under it because you might die. Yeah. There's chest falling from the sky. I'm like, what is this? Leaving like gigantic. I'm trying to jag Molly out of the way. <laughs> CA, what's in your box? Uh, inside my box, there is a pearl. Aw. Nice. Is there anything inscribed on the pearl? There's nothing inscribed in the pearl. I eat the pearl. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what have you done, Chris? What have you done? <laughs> I don't know how many questions you think I can ask about a single pearl, but uh, we've got to get straight to the part where I turn invisible. <laughs> <laughs> so now I've eaten the pearl. Um, <laughs> all this water starts gushing out of your mouth. <laughs> And this loud shrieking sound as you're trying to make words. Oh, no. I have you pearl eye. (laughs) (laughs) You you went there. I stabbed him in the heart. (laughs) Are you okay? (laughs) I'm thinking of, uh, um, oh, God. What's the America movie with the puppets? America, fuck yeah. Yes, that movie. Do you remember the scene uh, where he Team gets sick Force? for like 10 Team minutes? America. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Team America. That's what it is. Well done, Dave. Yep. It's time for a montage. I will be attending and speaking at the Mid-Atlantic Podcast Conference. And I just say that because if anybody's a podcaster or is interested in podcasting in any way, it's a great place to meet up with fellow podcasters from around the country, actually. Um, a lot of a good place to learn and network and, uh, you know, help to perfect your craft, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, that's that. And what's this <laughs> I hear about a hell wedding? <laughs> yeah. On September 8th, Wado Jeff is DMing a game on Savrick's channel. That's S-A-E-V-R-I-C-K. Savrick will be a PC. Uh, Jeff Kramer, myself, Von Strahd, and Nuzzle. Starts at 1 p.m. Eastern, um, 11 a.m. Mountain Time. So you should come check it out. It'll be a good time. It's Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. And then on September 16th begins the Fallout RPG stream, which is also on Savrick's channel. I'm really excited about that. That will be a continuing game uh, every Sunday. We haven't picked a time as of yet, so stay tuned. I will keep you updated on Twitter. So going back to the Hell uh, Wedding, uh, who's the DM? Wado Jeff. Wado Jeff. And I count four bridesmaids? (laughs) <laughs> yes. Two, three, four. <laughs> and then me. Don't forget me. They all sound very sexy. 
And my character, I actually created my very first race. I haven't named it yet, but I'm excited about that. It's the first time I've ever done that in Dungeons & Dragons, so it'll be a Goliath succubus. That's kind of racist, don't you think? <laughs> I get it. That's <laughs> funny. You're so funny. <laughs> so a tell gol- us about Extra Life, David. Yes, it's going on now. Every every day, people can help to support a great cause. Uh, Extra Life, if you don't know about it, I think it's extralife.com, isn't it? We'll have to edit and check that. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, Extra Life fundraiser that people do all the time, and we've decided to join forces with them and do a uh, 24-hour live stream for Extra Life, using Extra Life uh, to raise money for children's hospitals. It's actually going to be the weekend of November 3rd and 4th, 24 hours, extra-life.org is actually the website. Send in some donations now, anytime you'd like to. You can go to the Threadraiders website, threadraiders.com. You can go to the Extra Life website. And how do they do that? They search Threadraiders if they want to support us? Yes, they can. Just type it in the search box in the top right-hand side. You can find us. You can donate to any one of the Threadraiders. Ooh, fancy. Mm. Anything else coming up? So, uh, PAX Unplugged is coming out and uh tk one of our thread raiders he's going to be there so i'm really excited about that uh probably going to be doing some interviews there playing some games seeing acquisitions incorporated which i absolutely love and grizzly huge fan of oh yeah my show's better (laughs) that will be uh november 30th is when it begins since the entire weekend it's a good time i think we had a really great time last time dave Mm, yeah Mm. magfest is better yeah, MAGFest all the way. And speaking of MAGFest, tickets are going to be going up on sale soon, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, it is $75 for a four-day badge. Uh, it's incredible. I, I love going there. Uh, that will be January 3rd to the 6th, and that'll be at Gaylord National Resort in Maryland. Uh, also, uh, get your badge early because the hotel information will be going up um, beginning of September. I believe they said like the 7th. So those who bought a ticket early will get to go first. And then those who purchase their tickets later will get whatever hotel is left. But they do sell out quickly since the area uh, has very limited hotel places, which is very, very sad. But it gets kind of pricey. So definitely get your tickets now. All right. Um, what else? Hey, do you know what I wanted to ask you? Tabletop Loop. Do we have a any kind of a discount program for our listeners? Is there a way that they can... Do you guys actually yeah. say that in the commercial? We don't. Um, but if you go to tabletoploot.com, uh, you can save 15% on your dice purchases by just adding in Thread Raiders into the code. So the promo code Thread Raiders, all one mm-hmm. word. Yep, all one word. Fantastic. We need to make sure we keep telling that, and that mm-hmm. also will um, show tabletop loot that uh, you know we're sending people their way. So, true. Mm-hmm. Cool. Freaky. All right. So, um, you know, we have the show comes out every week, and we're looking to um, blow up the podcast universe. So, if you're a fan of the show, if you're listening to my voice at this time. You know, let us know what you think. Uh, so retweet when you see our podcast is going up, or even if you're listening to it in a podcast player, send a tweet or a Facebook share yourself. There's a yeah. way you just go into the player into your episode, and you click on, there's usually a little uh, menu option there. You can share it. So share those shows. The more people that do that, and you even just word of mouth, tell people, hey, 
check out this podcast. It's a lot of fun. Yeah.